Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Really excited for our first returning guest and soon-to-be two-time Olympian. Joining us once again is TJ Sanders of our national team. TJ, thanks for taking the time to do this. I know you guys are quite busy and maybe still celebrating. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, I love I love all this. I love the uh, getting a chat about it. Obviously, the hype is still very real. Um, and it's also cool to see how everybody appreciates um, what we're kind of able to do and, and uh, the volleyball community kind of rallying behind us. It's it's exciting. It's really cool. So thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm just speaking from my own experience on my own social media, just looking at people's posting and stories of how many people actually watch the game. So did you find a big collection of people were either tagging you or sending you messages? Like what was the support you guys were receiving during the event? Oh, 100%. I mean, it's actually the super cool thing about the Olympics and what that brings behind it is everybody, everybody knows about it. So everybody, even if you're kind of in the volleyball community, even if you're not, but you hear that a team is trying to go to the Olympics, it kind of gives it um, a bit of a backbone. So I remember even last time, like in Rio, like we were getting tagged all over the place, um, even in our qualifier and stuff like that, just because, you know, CBC is a little bit more invested. Everybody's a little bit more like excited about it because it's uh, more of a uniting entire country kind of thing, as opposed to, you know, let's say like a Nations League or something like that. Um, so for sure, we I was definitely posted in a ton of things. It was... Uh, was super exciting it was also i even felt like i, I kind of made a post today but the like the crowd was incredible um the people around it was incredible uh so we're super thankful for all of that um and definitely it's it's clear that like the olympics adds a little bit of a uh, little bit of hype behind it yeah so let us in behind the scenes a little bit with everybody being all over the world playing in, in different countries and uh i didn't think anybody on the roster was at ftc right so everybody was in kind of different time zones when did you guys arrive in gatineau and how much time did you have to prep right so most guys um like our first kind of official training was the morning of december 27th um so most guys came back on the 26th a few guys had games kind of within their uh, in their leagues and stuff like that. So they had to maybe come to the 28th or a little bit later or whatever. Um, and then basically we were up in Gatineau for just under two weeks, um, kind of doing our prep stuff there. And then we flew to Vancouver on the Monday or Tuesday or something like that. Um, and sort of get used to the gym, get used to the you know, time change, all that sort of stuff. Um, and then our, and our actual trainings, I mean, you know, everybody was coming back from the pro season. So they were in, they're in shape. They're in like game ready kind of thing. So it was more just us getting used to playing together again. Um, for me personally, like I wasn't really able to practice that much <laughs> just due to the injury and stuff like that. It was more like I, I had to kind of be diligent and understanding loads and tolerance and what I'd have to do. Um, but for most of the guys, it was basically I get back, get the connections building again. Um, and then also get the be comfortable with each other, so we know obviously we're going to be in stressful environments come the weekend. So we try to replicate that a little bit. Um, obviously, you can never actually replicate it, but it's sort of one of those um, things where it wasn't it wasn't like a training block where let's say we're leading up to VNL or World Championship or something where we got like five weeks uh, and we'll do like you know more cardio stuff or more like technical like we're maybe changing actual technical things or changing tactical things. This is more just like. We know what we do. Let's get back. Let's, you know, kind of strive for excellence in those things that we already do. Get comfortable with each other, and then get ready to kind of go to battle. Now, was there any hesitation or, or doubt in your mind that you would be on the final roster, or was that a lock? Like, if I were to play armchair quarterback with the roster, um, 
just me and some people, we were talking at a 17 boys tournament and we were a little surprised that uh, Glenn chose to go with so many outside hitters and maybe didn't sneak in like a Brett Walsh or maybe a third setter just in case. Like, were you feeling good or was there any doubt even right up until when the roster was announced? Well, I think the kind of what the injury has taught me is that uh, I'll kind of always have that doubt. I really am. I can't be 100% confident with every scenario because a lot of them, you know, I've been disappointed by the actual result or what, how my body's actually responded. Um, so for sure, like right until basically the weekend, um, cause I think that's when the roster came out. It was only like a day or two before the games. Um, basically right up until that point, it was, you know, me kind of working with the coaching staff and us trying to see what the best decision and best outcome for the team would be. Um, knowing that, you know, what, what happens if, you know, even in a day or two, if all of a sudden I'm completely like incapacitated and can't, can't play. Um, so it was, and it was kind of, I mean, maybe in some sense is a bit of a gap on their end and, and kind of on my end. So I, I wouldn't say that we were, Oh, I'm going to be good to go and play like 100%. Um, so it was pretty cool that they, they kind of took a chance on that. And obviously it's, it's great now that it worked out. Um, but yeah, it was definitely right until that roster was kind of announced, right until the games. Um, there was, I would say, a little bit of yeah, a little bit of risk, a little bit of you know, a little bit of hesitancy. It wasn't we weren't sure what that was going to all play out, but uh, you know, like anything, we're just kind of trying to do the best we can with with what we've got. Now, with the core of the team having experienced this for the Rio qualifier, um, do you ever get comfortable in this format? Was anything similar, and you're just like, oh, here we go again, or was this one is each event, I guess, their own animal, and you got to treat it separately. I think a little bit of both. I think um, I think for me, this event was was pretty unique because, and I remember having a lot of conversations with our with our team psychologists around this because I've never really been. I've been in a lot of situations like this, but rarely am I in a situation where I also am so unsure about how my body will respond. You know, there's like the psychological aspects of the actual game and the fact that it will be, you know, the intensity, the pressure, the you know, what it means to us is quite heavy. Um, but for me, I'm also in the back of my mind, always having to kind of evaluate where my body's at, how it's doing, how it's helping the team, how, you know, all those kind of things. Um, so I would say it was kind of unique in that way for me. Um, especially that in the end, it it went five sets. Um, you know, cause leading up to that point, I'd really not played very much volleyball and especially let alone like, you know, going for five sets. Um, so I would say it's one of those funny things, like the fact that this was, this tournament was very unique. Um, the fact that it was in Vancouver, the fact that, you know, the fans were great, the fact that all these different things made it very unique, but also it's, you can't deny that the fact that we were there in Edmonton, that we were there in Japan, that we were there in China, um, you know, it kind of gives you a little bit more of a, an understanding of the feelings and emotions that are going to kind of run through your, run through your head and stuff like that. It's not going to give you the answers, but uh, the fact that you've done it before can can lead to a little bit more composure um, and all that kind of stuff. And I would also I would like to like emphasize that the coaching staff did a great job as well, just because they were quite tame in in their response to it. I mean, in the past, there's been a lot of you know we need to go to the Olympics. We like everybody wants it so bad that sometimes when you put that emphasis, it can almost work against you a little bit. Um, and I felt that they were very much open-minded in the sense of yes, we all want to go. Um, but really that's it. Like, you know, us putting more pressure on it is only going to, you know, in that fifth set, then all of a sudden we're going to feel the weight of that pressure when it was a little bit more relaxed than maybe it has been in, in times past, um, which allowed us to play a little bit freer and in, in bigger moments. Um, 
but definitely, definitely it's something that I can't like experiences. It gives you a confidence, right? There's a confidence that comes behind it when you've been in a situation so many times. Uh, yeah. But like I said, for me personally, it's the situation was quite unique. Um, so even like I was, I was really trying to work with the coaching staff with everyone kind of there so that I would be confident in my game, knowing that I would be going in, in high pressure situations because I haven't really played that much, that much volleyball, um, over the last, you know, 17, 18 months. Um, so it was, it was, it was unique in, in a lot of ways. Um, but there's no denying that you're, you're going to get some confidence from the experience that we have in these past events. Yeah, definitely. Can you think of any examples that uh, either the squad did or you did on your own? Because um, to me, if you go down 0-2, and there, there's no right thing to say in that timeout, right? There's not this secret sauce that Glenn all of a sudden gives this Disney-like speech and the team starts firing back. To me, it's uh, it's got to be a lot of that's got to be done in the preparation, right? So what what was the mood when you guys went down 0-2 and kind of what was the prep work that you guys maybe anchored to to kind of right the ship and get right back into it? Yeah, you know what? I think... I think this goes back a little bit to all the guys that were there in Edmonton uh, four years ago. The the game kind of had a similar feel. Maybe it wasn't going. I feel like the Edmonton game it took like ten minutes in my brain. <laughs> I played so fast and it was like we were gone. Um, this one maybe didn't have like that aspect to it, but it definitely had a lot of the same things where we were felt a little bit like maybe helpless out there. Um, but I think the one the one positive thing that all of us would kind of, kind of hold on to as well is is we weren't really playing bad. You could tell we weren't playing up to like our, our high end um, just by the fact of like you could tell we were a little bit excited um, there's a lot of like weight behind the game um, but we weren't we weren't doing anything poorly it's not like we were we couldn't make a serve or it's not like we couldn't stop one of their players it's not like we could so the vibe was very much just keep doing what we're doing you know like we'll get more comfortable we'll get the crowd will get behind us when we start a run all those kind of things and there's a lot of games and I've played a lot of games where you might have that philosophy or, or outlook but then nothing changes, and Cuba would win the third set, and it's over. And that's just kind of the reality of sport. But fortunately, a few of our guys kind of got hot, um, started swinging big swings. We started, you know, playing a little bit more of a finesse game with them, as opposed to trying to beat them kind of at their their own style of game. Um, but obviously, and, and the prep work, it's it's funny. Like obviously, we do have a sports psychologist to try and understand moments like that. Um, but then it comes back to the emphasis of the Olympics. I think. We all want to go there bad enough that, you know, we're not going to lose any energy in that moment. Um, we're not going to lose sight of what we actually want to accomplish. And although we're down 0-2, there is still a chance, like, the game isn't over. You know, and I think it was very important for us in that, that third set to basically stomp them um, because they kind of that confidence or that understanding that if we keep doing what we're doing, we could still come back and win this game. Um, so, yeah, there's there's – constant prep work both intentionally and both just experientially um and then in those moments it was basically like hey like we don't have to do anything different you know they got a few good breaks we didn't really play up to our level let's just have faith that we can play up to a, a higher level um, and then yeah when that third set started and we started to kind of roll a little bit uh, that kind of set the tone for the rest of the game Nice. And what uh, tips would you give to some of our younger athletes that listen about either the next man up attitude or even benefiting from the double sub? Like you and Jay went back and forth a little bit. Uh, Gord was having a tough go and Hogue just came in and kind of took over. Slater had a big game. Like, uh, how would you speak to that where maybe somebody's not having the best night, but the you just kind of keep rolling through and the next guy's ready to go? That is, I mean, that is kind of a something that we're pretty lucky to have, uh, especially with this group of guys. Like, literally, you can put in 
most guys and we're going to go and be able to win games against any team in the world. But it, I think that's part of the excitement. You know, like, for instance, you're in a big – it's a big game, right? We're trying to go to the Olympics. If all of a sudden you're the guy that goes in, feed off that energy. You know, like that's exciting. Use that. Be the guy that comes in and has a new perspective, a new level of excitement. Because sometimes, obviously, at the beginning of the game, we have a lot of excitement. But we go up and we lose two sets. That's going to kind of strip away some of that for us. So then you're a new guy coming in. You still have that fresh excitement. You know, now you're on the court. Now you get to kind of do your thing. Be like confident and comfortable in changing the game in that. It's even something like, you know, when I get, if I get subbed in or, or something happens like that, I want it to make an impact. I don't want to come in and then, and the whole vibe of the game just continues along how it was because typically you're getting subbed in to change something. Even if it is a double sub, you're going in for a different look to maybe throw the other team off or to do something that you do really well. Um, so be confident in the fact that you can go in and, and change the momentum of the game. That's what volleyball is, right? It's just the game of swings and momentum and energy. And if you can play a part in manipulating that a little bit, um, use it to your advantage. Now, you maybe don't have to tip your hand because we'll probably see them again at more meaningful tournaments, but how would you say you guys prep for a team like Cuba with, obviously, Simone comes back, and if there's a country in the world that has a 19-year-old that we've never heard of that's legit, it's probably Cuba or Brazil, right? So uh, what did Lionel do or what did Glenn do to kind of prep you for maybe some guys who weren't familiar but were definitely contenders? Yeah, I think that was a tough thing. That's why, you know, I guess all of us, we always kind of think, like, oh, yeah, coaching would be great. It's super cool. It's like a different vibe, all that stuff. It's really neat. But those guys were working literally like 24 hours a day. It was nuts. They're trying to get game tape from their pro teams. They're trying to get, you know, anything that they could find from random other matches. Sometimes it's not easy to find those things. They played Chile uh, a little bit before. They're trying to break all that stuff down. Um, but the one thing that we do know is that even all these new players and all that stuff is that they are Cuban and will, do, will be playing a Cuban style of play. You know, these guys aren't going to come out and start throwing balls or wiping or, you know, tipping or cutting shots, whatever they're going to go, they're going to touch super high. They're going to swing super hard. They're going to swing cross court and high and deep. We kind of know these things. That's just what works well for them. So they're going to keep kind of emphasizing that. So there was definitely a lot of prep, but I mean, the fortunate thing is we've played Cuba as a country so many times over the last few years that we don't have to be prepared for something unexpected. There might be a guy that's a little bit higher, maybe hits a little bit harder, maybe hits a little bit sharper. But those things are just kind of, that's the ebbs and flows of, of volleyball, you know? Now, I, I do want to pick your brain. And if you have a funny story, I mean, go for it. I'm obviously not making fun of him. I just thought it was a cool situation. In the fifth set, uh, we reversed the double set, uh, double sub, excuse me, but we leave Shawan on to serve. So you're, you're kind of standing in the box and there's no setter on the court. And obviously, Shawan puts enough service pressure on them that it, it didn't come up. But uh, who's setting in that situation if we do get a dig? That's a pretty good question. I, you know, not being on the court, I, I don't think I couldn't really hear who they were talking about. But um, I would love, I, I don't know. I don't know who's <laughs> going to be swinging. I don't know who's going to be setting. Um, I think we've got a pretty beastly lineup out there. And I think that's that's part of the rule, too. It's like, hey, show's back at the line, swing. You know what I mean? Like, don't don't feel like you have to hold back. Because, you know, sometimes you're in that moment, it's, I don't know what it was, 12-9 or 13-9 or something. It's like you just want to put the ball in and give us a chance to play. But in certain situations, your efficiency will go up if you're taking higher risk, you know? And so that's why those last two serves where he just bombed, it's like, okay, good. He's comfortable enough to now kind of swing for it. Um, and I mean, in this game, especially with Cuba, like they're going to take big swings. Long rallies are unlikely, especially a long rally where the ball is going to be dug to a setter. You know, it's most likely going to be a high ball set anyway. Um, so I'm really not sure who, they, who is going to be out there setting, but kind of wish it happened then. 
no, it was, it was awesome to see like a gamble like that pay off. No, we were just joking at home being like, if he, if the ball comes back, what are we going to do? But you know, it didn't come up. So that's fine. Um, you mentioned like the Olympics isn't something you guys put a lot of emphasis on because it puts a little bit of a pressure or it might uh, change people's attention or energy. But now that you've booked the ticket, what does the prep look like for that? Like, is it, is it open-ended and now we're talking about pressure and expectations and playing against the best teams in the world or just, is the mood change at all? And it's just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, I, I think, I think the one thing about now kind of booking the ticket and making it there is it kind of relieves some of that pressure. Because a tournament like this, like a tournament like, for instance, like World Championships, there's so many games you have to play against so many good teams that you have to like consistently be performing. When a tournament like this, it's only 12 teams. There are a few like weak, like, you know, world ranking wise are a little bit, you know, potentially weaker. Um, so the fact that we made it, I would say we'll probably take a similar approach to what we did last time where it's basically we're going to give everything we got and have no expectation and kind of see what comes out of it. Uh, I think that paid off quite well last time. And, you know, we know that we can beat every team in the world. We've beat, we've beaten every team there. Um, so I think it'll be, it'll be a pretty relaxed, like enjoy the ride, let the hype kind of, cause that, that's the thing you're going into a tournament like that. The adrenaline that you're going to feel is going to be enough to really get you through any, anything. So it's not like you have to build it up or do something different or, plan accordingly uh definitely the coaching staff and everything will be managing loads at a certain point you know playing we'll play five games uh like day on day off day on day off which can be kind of heavy uh that if we move through it's like kind of six or seven games in, in a short stint um so that will have to be managed that will be a little bit unique um but you know what we're all going to be excited when we come back from uh or i guess when they come back from the pro seasons and we'll, we'll, you know, do what we always do. We've done it for done it for a long time. Now, other than the external you talked about, does the level of play step up because it is the Olympics, or is it really who can handle the distractions? Like, does does anybody really ramp it up compared to like a VNL or a World Championships? Like, in in your experience at the last one, is it kind of like everybody is who they are, but you just got to manage, you know, your home country supporting you. There's international media. There's international fans. Like, is that the biggest difference? Yeah, it's got. I think it's one of those things where just because of the added influence, like the added adrenaline, the added excitement, um, some players will play above their level. You know, you're going to be that excited. Maybe one guy just goes unconscious and you can't stop him. Um, the same thing with, with teams in general. Um, but also that being said, you're right, the added pressure will then, you know, sometimes maybe will be a little bit less efficient or sometimes will struggle a little bit more um, because of that. I do think, though, the one thing about the Olympics is, you know, sometimes VNL certain players won't travel or, you know, maybe they'll be like kind of battling somewhat of an injury or et cetera, et cetera. At the Olympics, like all the best players will be there. All of them will be playing like every point that they can play. Um, so there will be definitely that behind it. Um, and then it's basically, I would almost say it's just like kind of a harmony of those two aspects that you said. Um, and it's just trying to create a comfortability or, or at least like a confidence uh, with our group that we can kind of use the adrenaline to our advantage as opposed to the pressure um, kind of coming down on us a little bit too hard. Now, just to circle back about one of your earlier comments, you did mention that at, at training, you guys like to recreate some stressful environments. And obviously, it, it's hard to recreate exactly what a game feels like. But what do the coaching staff or players like to do to kind of mimic that, that maybe our club coaches could start to incorporate into their training? I think, I think a big thing with that um, is just expectation. Um, and I think it's really easy for us because when we come back from our pro teams, 
we're so excited to be back together and we're excited about whatever like the next kind of tournament or adventure is that the energy that is put towards expectation is, is easy to find, but that's it. You know, if you're not, if you, first of all, like nobody will not be going for balls or making the extra plays or, or doing things like that. But then there's also like the cognitive expectation. You know, if you keep making the a bad read or you keep making a bad move, we will let you know, players, coaches, everyone, you know? Um, and I think in doing that, all of a sudden that's always replicating stress. You know, if you, if you make one false move and everybody in the gym knows it, you're then stressed about not making that wrong move, um, which then obviously in a big moment will, will kind of play in a certain way. Obviously, yeah, you can't replicate the actual excitement. Like the adrenaline won't be behind it, but the, the stress or pressure might be able to you know, look something like it. Um, but yeah, that being said, I, I think, and that's what I've noticed every time I go to my pro teams, you know, the expectation is much different. You're there, you're kind of getting a paycheck, you're playing and then you're there to win games like practices don't maybe mean as much or the intensity isn't as quite high um but yet then we come back and we're playing for our country and all of a sudden it's like day one i you know everybody's kind of loud we're screaming we're making plays we're doing things even in our you know tuesday morning trainings so that's something that's been pretty consistent with my time uh, with the national team especially relative to my time overseas uh, and i think in doing that then you know when you get on the court we're still responding the same way. You know, we're still being loud and talking to each other and you almost kind of, for me anyway, I basically just try and forget about anything externally in those moments. And it's easy to, when there's so much activity, unless that external thing is going to benefit me. You know, I think this weekend feeding off the energy of the crowd, the energy of the, the moment, um, allowed me to maybe get a little bit of a step up or a little bit more energy. Um, and I think that was kind of the same way for a lot of guys, but that will depend player to player. Nice. And from your own experience, being a young guy, when you entered the program, how long did it take you to get comfortable to kind of get on guys in drills and maybe correct assignments? Or how would you encourage the young guys joining the team that it's okay to, to get on people? Like, does anyone tell Gord when he's out of position or how did like the young guys react to some of the vets who have been there and done everything? That's a good question. I think, I think when I early on joining the team, it definitely took time. Um, cause I think that's, what's important is like in a team, there are, you know, there are certain rules, there are certain roles or certain ways that you do things, um, that you have to understand what, where you fit into that. Um, you know, because I think you might come in with the best intention and start putting these expectations on people and doing things, but that can have negative outcomes. You know, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of social hierarchies and things going on that, um, are important to be aware of. Um, so it's actually interesting to kind of spin it a little bit, but now that I'm one of the older guys, it's also interesting because I'm sure other guys or coaches or whatever might not feel as free to say something to me as they might have six years ago. Um, so it's trying to also for me to reflect and see what things I can do differently or how I can be more approachable uh, kind of in those scenarios. Because, I mean, any athlete for their entire career will always have a lot of things to work on. will always have a, will still make the wrong move sometimes or the wrong decision. Um, but it is something that, you know, when somebody's proved that over and over, they, they have the right intention behind their decision-making, you get to trust that. Um, when, if you're a newer guy that we might not know what your intention is, you know, if you're not going for a ball, is it, what's the reason there? If you're not making the right read, what's the reason there? Um, so I would say, there is, there is a bit of that. Like, you know, if you're an older, more experienced player, there is a little bit of a longer leash um, behind that. But it's, again, it's it's more on the making a read or making whatever. It's never going to be, 
why are you working hard enough? I would say that's maybe something that in younger, uh, developing kind of in the gym when you're trying to get better, some guys maybe aren't working hard or some guys are We don't really have that problem because everybody's doing everything they can. And if they're not going for a ball, it's maybe because their knee is banged up or they're, you know, there's some other underlying thing that they're not, they're not doing that for. So I would say it's, it's really important to kind of understand the realm of the team, like what, what it looks like in the group, what your role is in the group. Um, it's really important if you're a veteran guy to be open to certain criticisms. Um, it's important to be, if you're a younger guy and you see something that you don't believe in and it's repeatedly happening to say something. Um, but those roles are there on purpose because those older guys have made more of those decisions. They understand um, the game a little bit differently and the reads they're making. Um, say like the more you're questioning things, the more you're curious about why the wrong read was the wrong read or why this was the wrong thing to do or the right thing to do. Um, the more it's going to allow you to build that kind of depth of understanding of how to make the right read. Um, so even in a situation, if you see, let's say, like you mentioned, if it's scored, he makes a read, that's the wrong read. Instead of being like, Hey, you have to make this other read be like, Oh, why would you do that? Because maybe it was one of those things where he played the numbers and 80% of the time this thing was going to happen. But in that one ball, it was the 20% of the time. Um, and that's just a conversation that will help you as a young player, uh, understand it a little bit better. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing. That's definitely some great takeaways for any athletes and coaches listening. Um, I just want to follow up with one question more about the, the qualifier. We, we've talked about how great the crowd was. Um, so it'd be great to hear your firsthand experience as an athlete. Cause there were a few comments online that the, the first night it was a little flat or maybe it wasn't full or whatever, but watching the live stream, it looked like everybody was engaged in the Cuba match. So um, just from a player's perspective, excuse me, what does a home crowd mean to you? Like when people are loud and engaged versus like a little passive and maybe only clapping when we score a point, like what, what influence does the crowd actually have in a volleyball game? Well, yeah, I, I, well, I think to start off, one thing is we've always had trouble playing at home. It's like, it's kind of, it's obvious if you look at our kind of success and things like that at, at home versus, you know, if we were playing this game in Puerto Rico where, you know, there was no, external things that we had to worry about like our family getting tickets or our, you know people enjoying the game or obviously like you know knowing that after the game you're going to see a bunch of people although these are like kind of minor small things they add up and then all of a sudden you might be your focus might be kind of in the wrong direction but i think the one thing that was cool about this um event was well a few things first of all in those first two sets against cuba um, we didn't really give the, the crowd much to cheer for. You know, Cuba kind of went up early in both of them, and it was always kind of play, us playing catch-up um, without incredible plays. So they, the crowd wasn't going nuts early on, but you could, you could kind of feel that they, were, they wanted that. Um, so then when the third set kind of started, we, we beat up on them pretty good. The crowd starts really getting into it. But then where the crowd played a role is, I think, at that fourth and fifth set. Like, you could tell that Cuba was only getting more and more defeated and we were we were actually getting more energy we were becoming more efficient uh as the game got close to the end and i think a huge factor that has to be uh the fact that everybody was like screaming we had go canada chance we had kind of everything you could think of um i think for the friday game i would understand like I'm, i wasn't really expecting a crazy crazy crowd um so the fact that everybody kind of showed up on on saturday and, and really helped us kind of get that victory was was crucial. I mean, if it would have went, went in three, it would have had a different, the crowd would have had a different effect than it, than it going five. And you could see Cuba get tired and you could see us kind of light up a little bit and kind of feed off that. I think that was, that was huge for us. 
Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for that. So, uh, what I thought was exciting was you're, you're sticking around the Vancouver area. I believe you're in your Langley right now. How did the, uh, invitation to go join Trinity for a couple practices, uh, come to be? Yeah. So I've always had a pretty good relationship with, uh, with Ben. I've also, I mean, there's so many Trinity guys on our team. So that, that kind of, uh, channel is pretty natural. Um, but when I actually went out, I went to watch, who was it with? Or I went to watch Trinity because obviously I know Eric um, Lepke pretty well. He's been with us for a little bit, and I just wanted to go see how he's doing and, and chat a little bit. And at the game, I just was chatting with the coaches after and just sort of came up like, hey, you know, would you consider kind of coming and, and hanging out and helping us out a little bit? And uh, we kind of came to an agreement, and it was like, sweet, looking forward to it. Um, and then, yeah, so I'll be out in Langley until, until Sunday. Uh, we'll have some meetings here and there, and I'll be helping out the setters. They obviously have two uh, really high-level uh, younger setters, uh, Derek with the B team and Matias with the, the junior team. So obviously our national team is pretty invested in, in those two guys. And I think it'll be pretty cool for all of us to kind of sit in a room and then start chatting and start trying to understand uh, each other's point of views and, and kind of try and learn something. And then, yeah, I'll be, I'll be doing what I can. And it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, for me, my brain maybe sometimes like obnoxiously can can kind of just spiral off and in volleyball tangents and trying to understand (laughs) things and the highest level and all that sort of stuff and i think ken sort of recognized that and was like hey can we channel that and throw you in a room and just kind of get you to look at our team and see what you kind of see and um so i'm really grateful for the for the opportunity to to kind of work with them and and learn a thing or two and and i hope they can uh, benefit from it as well so you've been around high-level programs. Like you, you spent a year at Manitoba. You're around McMaster. You're with the national team. Is there anything that's common across all those programs now that you've seen what Trinity does behind closed doors? Or is there anything that stands out that they they may do special that you really admire what Ben Joe's got going on there? You know, it's one thing that kind of that, that struck me as quite interesting. Um, I don't know if this like directly answers answers the question, but like Dave and Ben and Glenn and a lot of other kind of coaches, is they make such a it's a, it's a real culture that they're creating. You know, it's rarely the actual, you know, technical insights that are making huge differences. Not that they're like coming up short in any of those ways, but it's just, I feel like in the, like one thing I noticed, I just had written it on my kind of clipboard yesterday when I was at the practice was in like an asterisk. I just wrote language down and they really have their own language on how to describe certain things. Like with our, uh, with our national team and our systems, we have, so many ways of explaining things and talking about things um, so that language doesn't get in the way. You know, we're not having to explain what the words mean that we're saying. Everybody knows what, you know, these different kind of phrases would mean, like what an overload with the X, Y, and Z kind of scenario would be. Um, and I noticed Ben using very specific language um, with their guys and all of them, obviously nodding and understanding, like basically code. And it was the exact same thing with master. Um, and I think that that is super important if you're looking for any sort of longevity or long-term progress or development um, is to build kind of the foundation of the, um, yeah, the culture. Like it has to come from there. You know, you can't come from having a few good players because obviously in collegiate sports, like there's going to be turnover. Um, and then obviously with us, us on the national team, there's going to be injuries or guys getting old or got, you know, that kind of thing. So I think in building that culture, it's very obvious that all those coaches are very uh, intentional with that and, and very creative with how they do that. Um, so I was really, I was like kind of fascinated by that. It, it kind of excited me. I was like, wow, okay, obviously if you're 
looking to create a program, you have to create that that first and, and understand what you actually value and what you want into that culture and that language and, and how you get everybody on board. Um, but that being said, it's it's very obvious that that high performance is is kind of synonymous as it goes throughout the country. Like I would say things are quite similar in, in all those different kind of areas. Nice. And with uh, getting a chance to work in practice with Matthias and Derek, uh, we recently had Derek up on the show and honestly, it was just ask a question and get out of the way and just listen to him talk because it was so fascinating to hear how he sees the game. And hopefully we'll get Matthias on the show eventually too. But what makes both of them so special? Because you're right, they're they're both very good. Seeing them in practice and what they do every day, what, what makes them so good and what makes them so special? Um, yeah, that's interesting. I, th- I think for... Well, they're obviously both great athletes. Um, you know, their touch is very good. Their ability to understand the game is, is good. Um, but I can't, I don't really know if I could give that question or give an answer any justice right now because yesterday was the kind of first day that I kind of actually got to dive in a little bit. Um, I'm hoping over the next few days that we'll actually have some sit downs, you know, kind of one on one and I can try and understand what, where they're coming from a little bit and, and why they're doing things. Cause for me, setting very much has, almost like a philosophical background to it. You know, of course you can understand how to run the perfect game in hindsight, but how can you understand how to run that in the moment or prior to the moment? Um, so I'm curious to see where they are in that, in that developmental scope. Um, <clears throat> but it's, it's obvious that they're, they're very talented. Um, they clearly have bright futures. Um, I'm excited. You know, I have to be in like selfish ways. I'm pretty excited to, to get in there while they're, while they're quite, quote unquote, young right now um, and, and watch them grow and, and kind of hopefully help them out in, in any way I can. Um, and then, yeah, maybe maybe by the end of the week, I'll have a, I'll have a better answer for you. Nice. Thank you. Uh, is there any area that your eyes or your energy kind of went to when, when first meeting them? Like, is there any first impression that you get from either of them that you're kind of like, man, I really want to pick their brain on this or I can maybe help them in this area? Is there any kind of first glances because obviously we'd love to have you on later in the week for a recap but i don't think we can uh, make that happen with your schedule so uh and any tips you can kind of give our coaches or athletes off the hop here that you're kind of what would you do with the university setter upon first glance yeah you know i think it kind of goes back to the same thing where where i was kind of saying i sometimes my brain kind of just takes me in, in certain directions and i think with just in the first kind of watching the watching the practice yesterday my brain was kind of running off in all these different directions uh, me and I put, uh, putting together a, a program to, to help like relay that to them and, and, and watch them develop. I think I think one thing is that obviously the the highest level of game is is faster than the university game, um, and in doing that there has to be a lot of different little adjustments. You know, it's not just like oh set the ball faster or like make it come faster out of your hands. There's a lot of different you know positionings for your attackers. There's a lot of different like bailout options that you kind of need to have. Um, so with that they run great offenses but if they want to go play against you know blockers that are russia or even you know cuba or whatever you might need to um speed up the game or speed up the offense in a certain way um which is something that i have no doubt that they will be able to do um, easily um other than that it's just it's like little minor things it's also me kind of you know in the, in the first glance I'm, I'm kind of making these assessments but also i'm kind of looking at what their intention is behind it setters and offensively and team wise. Um, because obviously like every team is going to be a little, little different of an identity and, and do things a little bit differently. Um, so it's also partially like a, a learning curve on me trying to see what they do um, and how I can kind of 
at least try and make them uh, give them some insight on how to be a little bit better. But I am curious to see what they think. Okay, what makes a university like if you're going to run the perfect offense in a university game? What is that? Because I obviously assume that it will be different than what I'm trying to do out there. Um, but then it'll be cool to kind of we can reflect off why it's why one is beneficial and why one isn't, um, how to maybe change and how that can maybe be useful later on in their career. Um, but definitely the, you know, the CIS game and the U sports and the NCAA, it does have one style of play. Um, and then, you know, when you, when you begin playing at different countries or you're in different leagues, um, there'll be different styles of play. For instance, like, you know, if you go to Turkey, pretty much every middle blocker will commit every time. And it's something that is very frustrating to play in as a center because it gets boring. But it's just their style of play. It's just the way that that league seems to function. There are different things that, you know, there are some leagues where they're so opposite heavy because maybe they're the highest paid player by so much that the offense is so heavy in that direction. Um, so I guess if you look at it from kind of my perspective, I've been bouncing around in these different environments where they've been in kind of a similar environment for so long. So it's cool that they have that insight because they maybe understand how to perfect that. Um, but it will, be, it will be also interesting to see how we can um, maybe like, yeah, maybe just kind of like open their understanding to how to do those things a little bit because, you know, there will be times when they're faced with, with such a unique blocking system or a unique, you know, you're playing a team like Japan where the average height is, you know, 190. And then you're playing Cuba who's got Simone in the middle. Then you're playing Russia. Then you're playing Brazil. Then you're playing, you know, like these are very different uh, strategies in, in blocking systems and stuff like that. Um, really no idea if that answered the question. No, <laughs> definitely. Uh, very helpful. Thank you. But I just Thank started you. talking. No, that was <laughs> awesome. Thank you. So what's next for you? When do you have to report back to your club? Yeah, so when I, with my uh, club in Poland, we, we came to a decision to not uh, continue the contract because my back was kind of acting up. Um, and in that moment, it was sort of, I didn't know how long I would have to be out for. I didn't know if that when I came back, if I would be, fully healthy. Um, and I thought it was just kind of in, in both of our best interests to, to part ways. They ended up signing a new center. So I won't be playing, uh, professionally for the second half. Uh, my body just can't, can't do it at that level for that long. Um, so it will be kind of, a uncharted territory and a little bit of a unique scenario, trying to figure out how to prep myself for the Olympics without playing, um, those matches. Fortunately, you know, the coaching staff and myself are kind of develop some confidence that I can still perform because over obviously the last whatever it would be 17 months uh, I haven't played much and I was able to go there and play on Saturday and VNL and I was able to you know keep a certain certain level um, but it will be interesting that will be there'll be a lot of tweaking and load management and things like that over the next kind of uh, whatever it is five months or something like that um, so I'll be out here in Langley till Sunday then I'll go back to Calgary and I'll kind of reevaluate probably see my doctors um try and put a put a plan together to see what how we can start progressing into something I'll have to I'll have to go pretty slow because the the five set match obviously <laughs> beat me up pretty good but um it'll be basically yeah evaluating that um seeing where where it's all at and and, and making a plan for so that I'm ready to get after it in Tokyo so we're, we're learning a lot about the, the pro club level and how to get agents and how to get contracts and stuff. Um, 
it seems to me it's pretty impressive that the club even gave you a shot, right? Like there's been other athletes like Autumn didn't get to go to her club because she was injured in the summer and they terminated before she even got there and a few other athletes. So it sounds like your club really believed in you and it sounds like you did uh, kind of separate on the same page where um, you were both honest, right? So they, they gave you a fair shot. It just wasn't going to work, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's one of the benefits of, uh, you know, becoming a little bit more of an experienced player and a little bit more uh, well-known. You know, if I was in this scenario four years ago, the club probably wouldn't have taken me, but, um, you know, they trusted me a little bit more. I've been around the game a little bit more. Um, I've played for this club before, so I had a great relationship with the president. Um, And literally, it's just one of those things where, you know, the club was, like when I was in Gdansk, we won the cup and we were, you know, had a 16-game winning streak, and we were one of the top teams. This club was a little bit lower in the league, so they had, uh, you know, it's literally one of those things where it was almost it was beneficial for both of us. You know, they were probably getting, if I was healthy, I would be like obviously a huge asset to them, um, but also then I would have probably had potentially more options. Um, so it, it, it's pretty unique. It's one of those things where, yeah, I guess the longer you've done it, the, the more you kind of understand. Uh, how it all works and then yeah with with breaking of the contract they um they didn't really want to well maybe early on they wanted to go a little bit differently um but just the reality of uh, i guess the severity of my injury uh i had to try and make it as clear as possible of what would end up being best for me also understanding that i did kind of want to at least have an opportunity to play in the qualifier um and if i would have stayed out there for longer obviously that would keep lowering that percentage that I'd be able to go and play. Um, I'm definitely grateful for them that they, yeah, that they gave me the chance and that they, you know, were respectful and made it the decision a little bit easier. It could have been, it could have been quite difficult. Obviously we, a lot of guys have like kind of horror stories of, of dealing with clubs and stuff like that. And it was nothing like that. So I'm definitely grateful for that, but it's also a cool experience too. I remember I've been talking to a lot of people about this, how, you know, all these experiences because of this injury have allowed me such new insight on how to communicate with clubs and understand what, you know, how it can all play out, what's best for them, what's best for me and how to kind of, you know, defend yourself, understand that my body can't do certain things. Uh, Cause that's a very common kind of misconception in, in sports is, you know, you can just kind of push through anything. Um, and that's something that maybe the club was hoping I was able to do. Uh, but obviously just from my experience throughout this injury and how it's changed my career and life and all those kind of things, I have to be a little bit more conscious about, you know, quote unquote, pushing through things and, and what it will do if I push, you know, if I decide to go play Saturday, I'm maybe pushing through something, but that might have consequences. Am I willing to handle or deal with those consequences? You know, if I go and I stay in Poland for longer, am I willing to deal with the, the potential consequences? Um, but it's definitely cool. It's cool to be, you know, been around the block a little bit and, and have a lot of guys that have had pretty much every experience in the book um, over there. It definitely makes it a little bit easier to, yeah, have some confidence in yourself and stand up for yourself and then, you know, kind of do what, what you think is right and what's best for everyone. Wow, that's that's amazing. Yeah, thanks for the detail and sharing that because I find in Canada we're always learning about what overseas life is like and I think – yeah, it's good to see that both sides were respectful and he just didn't get tossed to the side and it was actually a conversation and a lot of honesty going back, which is good to see. I would also say, just to touch on that, I think if there are any, you know, younger 
players or, or players like new to the European volleyball scene or I guess like worldwide professional scene um, to not hesitate to reach out to older guys that have been there or other national team guys or, you know, a- anyone who's kind of gone through those kind of situations. Because even for me, when I was, you know, first kind of joining the scene, it was, it's, it's, you think that you don't have any rights or you don't have any, you know, you're a little bit timid because you're just, you're trying to make a name for yourself and maybe you're doing things that you wouldn't really want to do or whatever it kind of happens to be. And I think I would encourage you to uh, reach out to other, other Canadian guys because, you know, we've all kind of been through it. Um, we obviously don't want you to be taken advantage of or things to not go well for you. Um, and I think it's just, it's literally that, that like kind of background gives you a little bit of confidence. Like for me going into a room now with a president and the coaching staff and management and talking about money or decision-making or things like that versus me seven years ago, um, I'm going to you know be able to voice myself a little bit differently now. Oh, and I think if people need, uh, like, or need somebody else, I don't hesitate to reach out. Or if you think something was, you didn't really agree with it or whatever, reach out and, and we can kind of help you out. We know the volleyball community is not very big, um, in the professional world. So we, if I don't know the person directly that you're dealing with, then it's somebody that I know quite close will. So, um, I just really, I really encourage young players to, you know, kind of try and find their voice in that and, and stand up for themselves. Do you have any more stories from the road? Your last one about uh, social media in Iran, you know, the translations was hilarious. So I don't know if you have any uh, any fun stories from the road maybe that we can wrap up with. Um, so other stories, okay, let's try and think about. But there are definitely some hilarious stories from just the excitement of the, after the match, there was some chaos. Obviously the, those like champagne videos were coming out <laughs> and stuff like that. And I got to say that was one of the craziest. Actually, one good story coming out of that was we're doing all those celebrations. They, they put kind of a great thing together for us. Everybody's going nuts. Actually, kind of two points. Is one point is that champagne seriously does burn your eyes. It is <laughs> awful. It is the worst experience. And we're all making the jokes because obviously when, you know, when the Raptors won, they all had those goggles. Or when, you know, any of those NBA teams, it's like you're kind of laughing at them. But I, my right eye, I like couldn't open it for like two minutes after. And we had to. We're doing all this, and you know, guys are dumping champagne on my head, and I had to run over, and I'm grabbing the ice from the champagne buckets, and I'm putting them on my eyes, trying to trying to feel them a little bit again. Um, so that was pretty hilarious. And then the second one was we did kind of like a, a little bit of like a slip inside for for all the all the support stuff and stuff like that to kind of come in and dive, and we're all pumped, and we kind of called Glenn, in, and Glenn ran in and did this perfect swanee into the into the group, and all of us like lose it laughing because. I mean, he doesn't walk very well anymore. So the fact that he was able to sprint in and do a swanee, I was like, either there's a lot of adrenaline going on there, or he, I guess once you have it, you just don't lose it. But uh, that was pretty. That was pretty impressive. Yeah, I wonder if he felt that the next day. <laughs> Seriously, actually, I should send him a message about that just to just to make sure he's still okay. I'm sure a plane right after doing that dive didn't feel so good. So. <laughs> Awesome. Well, it's great to have you as our first returning guest. Obviously, uh, learned a bunch. So if anybody wants to get more into your tactical mind, they can check out uh, one of the earlier episodes. Uh, but this one's been a great one and, and open invitation to come back whenever you want. So good luck with your, your prep going into the Olympics. And we're obviously very excited. And hopefully Canada gets behind you once again, because I think it was, a, it was a great weekend for Canadian volleyball. And hopefully we can keep this going. Awesome, yeah, and, and thank you, Josh, for, for having me on and, and everything you're doing. It's it's pretty cool. Also, I really encourage like 
younger players, if you want to reach out, you can find me on Instagram if you know you're playing pro. And like I said, things are iffy or you have some questions or you, you know, just want some more confidence behind you. Uh, also feel free to, to reach out. And I think it's pretty cool that we have this platform of a podcast kind of thing to, to, uh, to create that. Awesome. Yeah. So hopefully people take advantage of that and thanks again. We'll wrap it up here, but, uh, always great talking to you. Awesome. Thank you guys.